I'm Kadeem. I'm Cam. And I'm Jalen. So, we're going to talk about race and mental health. And I think often when we talk about mental health, we forget that there's so many intersectional um, lenses that we can look at it in terms of when it comes to the stigma around it and how it impacts people. So, race is definitely a big part of it and how it manifests itself and how we deal with it and even just the stigma around it. Um, so, I want to start off with how did... What was your understanding of mental health growing up in your household? Like, what was the language around it? How did you guys discuss it? How did you see it? Was it even something that you talked about? Like, nah, what it was, was it? It was never talked about, honestly, in my household. I don't mm-hmm. think it was ever really mentioned. Same for me. It's non-existent. Yeah. It's just, like, a, a recent thing for me. Yeah. I'm learning about it right now. Yeah. Yeah. As I go through things, like, I'm just reading about it or yeah. talking about mm-hmm. it with people. So. Yeah, in my house, it was never, um, like, it was, it was spoken about, like, how to, uh, like, deal with it was never really spoken mm-hmm. about. But, like, the fact that it exists was often spoken about. Like, I had, like, mm-hmm. like I've had some, like, my great-grandfather, he was, like, an alcoholic. I had a lot of alcoholics mm-hmm. in, my, in my family in the past and whatnot in, in Jamaican thing. And, um... You know, some <clears throat> members of my family that have been dealing with, like, undiagnosed mental illness, this kind of thing, that mm-hmm. have tended, uh, tended to make them act um, mm-hmm. in a way that kind of got them distanced from the family and stuff like that. But we never really addressed, mm-hmm. like, how to not become that or, like, you know what I'm saying, or how to help them or whatever, stuff like that, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, on one side of my family, there was a lot of mental health things that existed there. But we never, I never pinpointed. Nobody put language to the problem. Um, but I always knew it existed. My other side of my family now, very educated. There's social workers in my family, you know. Um, so they deal with a lot of mental health issues, but in our house, it was ignored. So it was a thing outside of the house. Inside the house, it wasn't really... Um, it wasn't, I guess, important enough to deal with, or there was just, like, a good double standard there. So I think my understanding of mental health growing up was very, uh, it was very confusing. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. If you guys hear the snoring in the back, it's low-key. He's our special guest. Um, he's a dog, by the way. Imagine if they think it's a whole human. Um, he's a mascot. Um, but yeah, with me, it was kind of similar. Like, my grandparents are both social workers on my mom's side. Um, but I guess the predominant culture that we had was my, like, African upbringing. And, like, to me, mental health, I didn't even know that that was, like, a thing, let alone, like, emotional health. Like, even just speaking about, like, emotions in a way that you can pinpoint what an emotion is. Like, it wasn't even a thing. Um, I think my most, like, I guess, 
obvious memory of mental health was when I was going through stuff and like my parents didn't really, they were connected to either me being like crazy, emotional, um, ungrateful, or they would turn to like spirituality and my dad be like, you need to pray about it or he would do like random little like, I don't know, not, I don't want to say voodoo, but like traditional things like, you know, like he put salt under my pillow because it's supposed to get rid of bad like energies or spirits and stuff like that. So I'm thinking like, yo, whatever I'm going through is not normal. Like this is, I'm weird, I'm crazy. Like this is some different ish. So my understanding of it was very confusing. And at the same time, what I was going through was confusing. So it was just like this very isolating um, experience. Um, So I guess, how did you guys get introduced to the topic of mental health if it wasn't discussed? So for me personally, I had to go through certain experiences Mm -hmm. to make me realize that my mental wasn't healthy. Mm -hmm. So from that experience, it allowed me to research and kind of know that I'm not okay. Mm -hmm. That is stemming from a mental capacity. So like in school, having to deal with being an athlete and a student at the same time and needing money mm-hmm. and, you know, just kind of figure out yourself. Like, so mm-hmm. that's how I kind of like noticed that mental health is a real problem yeah. mm-hmm. because then my, my, when my mental wasn't good, my physical started to deteriorate at the same time and yeah. emotionally and spiritually. So if all those things are not aligned, then it's just a problem and I feel it starts with your mental first right so mm-hmm. I think for me it's along the same lines and like going especially with basketball because mm-hmm. you're always consistently playing you don't have time to just stop and think how you're really feeling sometimes mm-hmm. so I think looking back on past situations with basketball I think it made me think about like man I really was in a bad headspace mm-hmm. during that time mm-hmm. so I guess like because of that I really looked a little deeper into mental health and then my sister as well you know she's a lo- she's a lawyer so I'm guessing when she went through her schooling for being a lawyer, she went through her own situations, her problems. So we've had discussions on mental mm. health, and I think that's where it, mm-hmm. it's grown. Mm-hmm. Um, me, yeah, there's like a couple of different things. One, I had a uh, when you, when you're younger, like a lot of people. I don't know if it's always been like that, but like nowadays, a lot of people like to throw around the words like depression and anxiety so lightly and so loosely. Yeah. And me, mm-hmm. me as a kid, never having to have dealt with that personally or like my close friends, like I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Then I had a friend who was going through it, and she was telling me about it, you know. And then I, I had told one of her friends about it, and then they took it super seriously. Like, oh my god, like I never even knew that they're going through this. Blah blah blah. And then I was, and then they got mad at me for saying something. I was like, well, I didn't know it was that serious. I thought, like, I thought it, every teenage girl has depression, anxiety. Like, I didn't yeah. know it was like mm-hmm. something you couldn't, you wouldn't just be free to talk to everybody about. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was like that. Um, so that's where I kind of realized like how serious it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, in my own personal life, um, it was like, yeah, when I when I stopped playing basketball, um, I was away at school. I was in Nova Scotia, and I was on the ball team. I was only out there for basketball, and mm-hmm. But, um, you know, this, when the in preseason of my third year, I'm just like, you know what, fuck this. I don't want to do this anymore. Like, this is just whack. Like, I'm not having fun. Like, I'm just like, you know, I'm not enjoying it. And then from there, I was living in a, in a house all with my team members, you know. So, you know, now where I was, like, spending all this time with all these people and whatnot, I came to a time where anytime they're going on road trips or they're playing games, they got practice, study hall, all this shit. I'm just in the house by myself, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I kind of... Um, 
not that I slipped really into a dark place just yet. That kind of came years after, trying to find identity and not being a basketball player after being identified as that my whole life. But more like uh, just seeing how like your mental state can really fluctuate when you actually are paying paying attention to it. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 Kadeem was saying, when you're hooping, you're just like your mental state is like, did you win? Did you play good that day, or did you lose? You know what I'm saying? Um, aside from that, it's just like little things in your day could like trigger you to feel a certain way, and like <clears throat> if you don't like address it, it can spiral into something or snowball into something mm-hmm. much much bigger, right? So that's where I, I got my my personal um, yeah uh, introduction to mental health, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So I think my introduction came like I grew up around a lot of trauma. Um, I grew up around like a lot of abuse, just like suicide, alcoholism. Um, and I think that part of me always wanted to just ignore that. Um, and then I channeled it into like productivity and um, I think just kind of blending in. Um, growing up in, in Durham, like I was kind of like, you know, people aren't gonna be able to realize my issues. So I kind of just blended in. Um, and then it actually, I was playing, I played a competitive volleyball in high school. And I remember I would play volleyball, I was do, like getting really good grades. And I just remember feeling sad, like all the time. And I just, I didn't know that was depression at the time, mm-hmm. but I do remember saying to my family, like, I'm sad. Like, I just feel sad all the mm-hmm. time. And they were just like, what do you mean? What do you mean you feel sad all the time? And um, and then I started to, like I, like, I was in a toxic relationship, and then that's when all the issues I think that I had suppressed for such a long time came out in the worst ways possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's when, like, that little sadness grew into, like, real depression like not getting out of bed for days staying in the basement just you know um and then just starting to realize like whoa like my family's kind of you know effed up like there's a lot of things that I haven't addressed here and um and that's when everything kind of I think started coming up and that's something that I've I think dealt with on and off for the past I mean that started when I was like 16 17 years old Mm -hmm. so that's something I've dealt with for the past however many years now um and I, I think that was my introduction to it. I think it was always there. Mm-hmm. It was just how it manifested itself in my life um, through time. It was yeah. different. No, that makes sense because I think the statistic is from your late teens to early 20s is when um, mental illness manifests itself. Um, so you're predisposed to it. And then based off of stressors, that's when it can come to manifestation. So the, even like just the timelines you guys are saying is very much on point. With me, it was similar, like, the whole reason my podcast is Call Me Crazy is because it's something that was used in my household to describe me because I was the crazy one or the emotional one. It was just, that was what I knew as mental health um, growing up, and now looking back as I'm educating myself, I'm like, damn, like, I was going, like, as a kid, I was not healthy, like, you know, I remember times of, like, wanting to self-harm as, like, an eight-year-old, and I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's not normal, you know? But, like, in my head, I created this normal like I guess this normal narrative because it was something we did not talk about like Mm -hmm. it was whatever happened at home stayed at home whatever happened in my mind stayed in my mind and I just had to you know play that role outside of that Mm -hmm. um but like you said it comes out eventually and it catches up and I think that's with any type of emotion whatever you suppress comes out um and I wanted to talk about how that can intersect with race gender um I think those two things play a big role in how we deal with our mental health, especially in how we're taught to deal with it, uh, whether being men or being women, especially of color, like 
what would you say has been additional factors to dealing with mental health? Because yes, I think everyone is susceptible, like it does not discriminate, but there's additional layers to it when it comes to those factors. Um, so I think that um, in the black community, mental health is one of those things that's kind of like always um, <clears throat> overlooked. So like I would have conversations with people, ask them about mental health, everyone just like laughs and be like, uh, like, you know, go on with your day or even our parents um you talk about it like you you have to be strong because the world's not nice this this that and i feel like the way it's like that is because them coming to canada they had to always fight for what they want right so for them that's not something that's a factor it's like yo i can't be down because if i'm down then my family won't eat no one is gonna come save me right and i feel like that kind of like it, it carried on over to their kids now. Mm-hmm. So it's harder for them to kind of help us. And they're not being, there's a lack of resources for us to get help mm-hmm. at a time because we don't know about it. If yeah. you don't know about something, you're not going to go do it, right? Yeah. So that's why I feel like race kind of intertwines with that. Yeah. For sure, for sure. Yeah, that lack of resources is huge, I was bro. Say, I think it's not even, like knowing about it is definitely one step, but on top of that, the system actually creates a lack of resources. And even having a people. system that doesn't have people that look like you yeah. to come exactly. help you because another race is not going to tell me how I'm supposed to act, how I'm supposed to feel because you don't live in my skin on a daily basis, right? So, yeah. That's all. Yeah. I think lack of resources is huge. Like, I remember when I was uh, 17 and I started going through all those things, um, I had to wait like four months to get on a list to go and see anybody. Um, Trust. You know what I mean? And it wasn't until now I have a good job with benefits that I was able to actually, you know, get a, like, get a psychologist. But otherwise, like, who, what 13, 17, 20 year old has a hundred and... Ninety dollars, you know, mm-hmm. an hour, an hour, exactly. That's insane. That's crazy. No, yeah. that's so true. And I think also, um, if you remember, race plays a part of it, and race will always play a part in like just social economic status, and that's just the system that plays a role in it. And if you're from a low income family, you automatically don't have like the access to the financial resources or even the insurance to get like let alone diagnosis, then treatment, then medication, like that stuff adds up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it, it's one thing to to not even know about it, but then once you know about it and then realize like, damn, like I can't even get help. Like that's, that's so yeah. disheartening. Like you literally have to fight for yourself while you're fighting with yourself. Yeah. Like it's crazy. I also think like at the same time too, um, <laughs> like mental health isn't, it isn't isolated. There's so many other mm-hmm. parts to it. Like, you can't just say, like, if I'm just going to therapy and just talking to somebody, that's not going to solve my issues. It's like yeah. a holistic thing, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people aren't even stable enough or have the resources to have that, like, holistic lens in which they, you know, help themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm living in poverty and I live in a toxic household, how am I supposed to even have a safe... I don't have a safe space for myself. I, if I'm trying to get money every single day, I don't have time to work out. I don't have time to take care of my physical health. Um, if I'm poor, like, you know, food is huge. huge like, sure. it's your huge when it comes to, yeah, your gut health. Your second brain. When, you, when it comes to mental health, like, if I'm eating McDonald's every single day and be, in bed every single day, like, I'm not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when you start eating healthy, you feel it. You actually, like, feel it in your mental. You feel it physically. Mm-hmm. And... When people aren't don't have access to any of that, it's like how you know how do we? Hundred percent. Um, 
yeah, I think all those factors, <clears throat> everything from just, like, physical activity, like, yeah, you can go outside and run, but it's, like, you have to remember, like, access to gyms, access to, you know, even dietitians, holistic nutrition, like, nutritionists, uh, naturopathic, all these things are resources available, but are they available to everyone? No. Um, and it plays a big part in your health, like mm-hmm. you said, with the gut health. Like, that's where a majority of your, I think it's serotonin is produced, which is the hormone that makes you happy. And if you're not feeding yourself a certain weight, that hormone is going to decrease. So therefore, mm-hmm. you're not, you, you know, you're more exactly. susceptible to de- um, to depression. Even before all those resources, mm-hmm. even if you don't have anybody to talk to, like simply just a friend yeah, or family at. that kind of understand like what's going on to talk to mm-hmm. and open mm-hmm. up to, like even before all the medication, that yeah. all that stuff, that can help somebody mm-hmm. along the way, right? Mm-hmm. So even not having that is, is, a, is a big factor too. Like, but, but these days, everybody, I feel like, is scared to be soft. I guess you could say everyone yeah. wants to be rude or mean or yeah, you know people be- trying to make it cool like yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm mean I'm crazy or they think like right? if I if I open up to your body I'm soft you know I'm yeah. giving you the leg yeah. up on me I can't do that, that that's yeah. one thing that I can touch on that's specific to um, our community it's like uh, building up status or to, to to rise up in status it's like the more like not necessarily stoic that you are but the more like um of a savage that you come off as you know what I'm saying yeah like yeah, the yeah. the more the more like you can just like brush off just anything it's like mm-hmm. hey, that's the higher that people will rate you you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. even like with, with with men um like I know it sounds cliche but in terms of like being like a like a like a good guy that's in tune with their emotions and is open and whatnot like it's often not really looked at as an attainable thing by mm-hmm. a, a lot of females you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. um guys like are trying to they just come off as hard you know what I'm saying and it's just like it's super un- unnatural you know? it's super mm-hmm. unnatural and also like like we spoke about this many times just like how in our communities like the things that are are looked at to to help your mental health are like super unhealthy stuff you know what I'm saying and it's just like the more you rely on like drugs and alcohol and like super like violent music partying and, like, and all that stuff yeah partying and just unhealthy yeah. unnatural like things yeah coping mechanisms like the more like that that's the stuff that's like glorified in our community so like mm-hmm. the more we do that the more we show the younger kids to do that it's just like a, a endless cycle of just like yeah. not dealing with your emotions properly you know yeah. what I'm saying which like this you know it's just a never ending cycle that's so true there's this stat that I got off CAMH that says 67% of people live in silence um, to me, that's like freaking scary because that's basically seventy percent. Honestly, I feel like that number's lower because like, there's, there's hella man's living in silence that never. Yeah, even, never yeah, that yeah, lie. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How did they get this number? <laughs> like, who told them that? Like the silent man. The silent man's like. <laughs> 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 um, but that's so true, and I also think like media plays a big role, and media is very intertwined with culture, right? Yeah. So media and culture play a big role in how we choose to cope with things we're going on that are going on in life and because we don't have access to these resources or these conversations we're gonna look to what other people are doing and it's like oh i'm hearing that so-and-so is you know depressed or going through losing a friend what is what are they doing they're either picking up a gun or they're drinking or they're popping pills and it's like why wouldn't impressionable minds do the same thing you know what i mean it's just taught like this is what you got to do in life if this happens then you got to do this and it's Mm -hmm. like I almost look at, like, that as, like, I don't blame anyone because it's, like, no one taught you better. If you knew better, you'd do better. And if you had access to better, you would as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's a big part. And 
that's where a lot of like um, misconceptions from people looking outside can come mm-hmm. and look at people like judging people who grew up in like you know the hood and stuff and seeing them like oh like why don't they just get a job or you know even homeless people like growing up downtown like I would see bear crackheads and we used to be like oh they're crazy they're crackheads now being older and educating myself majority and just didn't just are mentally ill and didn't have access mm-hmm. to resources or have the money for the medication especially like schizophrenia or bipolar disorder yeah. stuff like that it's very expensive so like to me it's just as a whole it's a lack of just having a conversation mm-hmm. like it just starts with that and i think like a lot of people play it off as like you know being really productive and you know the no days off no days off yeah, yeah. grind culture yeah the yeah. grind exactly the grind culture it's so toxic like it's, it's so toxic stuff. because what happens when your productivity gets stripped away from you you know what happens when you're not able to do what you want to do when you get if you're for example in a sport how many athletes get depressed after they get injured you can't do anything anymore you know and mm-hmm. i think uh like for me for example like my uh, productivity is like where I put my self worth. It's where I kind of, it's like I channel my sadness. I don't have time to be sad. I'm gonna put in some, you know, toxic music, listen to some Dirk, and go along my way and do what <laughs> I, I do. Like, <laughs> to but, to Dirk, but at the same time, it's like the way that harmed me. I should have just taken like a couple steps back sometimes, just sat down and been like, okay, I gotta invest in. Mm-hmm. and you know talking to somebody but it's like i almost was just like i don't have the time to do that i don't have the time i have to make this happen i have to make this happen mm-hmm. i feel like we almost distract ourselves and um it's probably i think one of the most harmful things that we can do mm-hmm. and i feel like especially in the black community we have that really bad grind culture mm-hmm. um like thing going on and mm-hmm. i think a lot of it comes from our parents and like them having you know like survival <laughs> being in survival mode but that's i feel like we don't have to mm-hmm. part of survival is taking care, care of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like um, one thing that I always see people kind of doing nowadays is turning to celebrities and and um, rich people and famous people for, for advice. Like, mm-hmm. these people are hurting too. So, like, it's like the blind is leading the blind. Like, you're mm-hmm. going to go ask somebody that's hurting to give you advice. It's not going to work out perfectly fine. And I feel like a lot of people are doing that now. They're going to hurt people for advice. It's not necessarily that going like you can't get advice from her people, but they're taking like the wrong part of the advice. Yeah. Like for instance, like like kids see like Juice World crying for help in tracks, and like they're exactly. like, "Yo, I'm gonna go sipling too. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna go pop some pills because it, it worked for him. Like nigga, did it work for him? Like, yeah. It didn't look like it worked yeah, for him. Right, you know? right. yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? So I see exactly what you're saying though. Yeah, because like, like I feel like because the only reason I even combated what you're saying because I feel like people who've gone through these kind of things or are going through these kind of things are often the best people to talk to because like mm-hmm. you can share stories and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But a lot of people like especially celebrities because like the more they are going through dark shit, like it usually propels their career more and more. Mm-hmm. So they tend to lean more into lean those things. So people mm-hmm. like these impressionable minds will like go and see those things. Like, yeah, I'm going to do exactly mm-hmm. what my favorite artist did. And yeah. it just like leads them down this like horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible. Mm-hmm. Like, On top of that, there's so many different coping mechanisms you can use. Like whatever they use isn't going to necessarily work for you. Yeah, they have the funds and the resources. They have the funds and resources exactly. for it that you may not have. Exactly. But yeah. I think that a lot of that, like that Juice World type stuff, like the um, Trippy Red, like those types of artists that are coming out now, it almost creates this like 
I don't want to call it depression culture, but it, it does. Uh, everybody yeah. wants to be depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody wants to be depressed. Like it doesn't make sense. It's like um, yeah. it's like a community. <laughs> it's, it's like I think what it is. People are coming together. This is how I feel. This is what I'm doing. It's trauma but it's bonding. it's trauma bonding. But there's no okay. How can we get better? It's yeah. like let's just drink. Let's just yeah. smoke. The, let's just do this. The, the thing I realized with depression is like the more like you focus on it. Like it's like it can consume you more and more, right? So like you're feeding it. Yeah, you just like feed it. Like you said, the more like you listen to like these artists are always just talking about depressed. Like you could not be depressed, but like you just had a bad day, mm-hmm. and you bump a trippy red song, and he's like, you know, I want to die. And you're like, oh, I want to die too. Shit. Same. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like same. And the next day you keep bumping, and then like after like a year of doing that, it becomes you. You know what I'm saying? You kind of like yeah. ma- you manifest yeah. it into your life. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You like, do you manifest it? Um, yeah, yeah, whenever yeah. I'm sad, I never listen to sad music. Me it affects me so much. Like I have to listen to some like. Like, I don't yeah. know, something, maybe even angry music I can do, but like sad is yeah. not happening like the people who are looked at as role models and whatnot should like more often speak about the things that get them in a good place you know what I'm saying like like some of my like I have a, one of my, my young boys and he goes through a whole lot of stuff mentally right? and he just like really told me about the stuff the other day and I was trying to tell him like some like healthy coping mechanisms and he's just like yo it's like that's kind of corny you know what I'm saying but like if his favorite rapper was talking about meditation then like he'd probably do it you know what I'm saying like whatever role models that we have if they were to like more glorify these like these good things I feel like it'd be adapted more into the mm-hmm. community the show well I feel like just education like if you don't know something you're not gonna do it obviously mm-hmm. so like we just have to as leaders we have to try to make people aware of mm-hmm. what's going on if they're if you're aware of something you're gonna maybe try to tackle it or address mm-hmm. it or or, you know, fix whatever problem is. Obviously, it's definitely hard to, to come forward and be like, yo, I'm going through this right now. I need help with this. That's definitely hard, but it's it's better that you do that than do something drastic, and then you're going to hurt a whole bunch of people along the road. Trust me. Right? So it's better that you speak to one person, fix it now, mm-hmm. then go, you know, five years while talking, you hurt 
this girl, that girl, that girl. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you might have been in the hospital, your parents, this is everything, you know? It's a trickle-down effect. So yeah. but simply just speaking and being aware about this, like how we are right now, is going to help somebody down the road. So. Absolutely. I, I think, like, lived experience is really, really important. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's scary. Like, it's scary to come out and talk about what you're going through. It's scary to talk about what you've been through. Um, and... You know, you have to have a certain level of vulnerability, and that's not always easy. And I think, like for me, like it took, like it took a really long time to actually be able to come out and be able to say things because you know people have used things against me yeah. before. People have thrown things in my face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also feel the need to always have this like everybody's always saying you're so strong, you're so strong, mm-hmm. and I feel felt the need to kind of upkeep with that, you know mm-hmm. and. Um, but once I started kind of coming out and talking about like my story mm-hmm. and what I've been through, I noticed it helped a lot more people than this, you know, pretending to always be productive and pretending to always be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the ways that, like, even just talking about it on your Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, I'm finally getting to a point right now. I kind of took a break from Instagram, but I think when I come back, like, I'm actually going to use it as, like, a platform to talk about things that are important. Because I know there's a lot of young girls out there. There's a lot of young women who probably feel so alone and probably always feel the need to you know be so strong and be a bod girl you don't always have to be a bod girl you know like like it's yeah it's okay and 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 i think like we just need to start talking about it and just also like providing each other with safe spaces to talk about it yeah because especially i think i don't know about you guys but like being in the gta things are always i feel like so hostile sometimes and so yeah yeah and people are so mean like you can't just be like Honestly, this is what I'm dealing with. Like, I need somebody to talk to. Like, girls are always getting down on each other. It's just, like, there's no like, safe... Like, you're depressed? Well, I'm depressed, too, because this happened yeah. to me. Yeah. I'm more depressed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and depression off. That's yeah. Crazy. yeah, I literally did that. That's crazy. There's no, like, we ha- like the level that's of modern. care that we show each other, I think, is important. And I feel like that's not really always there. But you, it's also, like, finding your community and finding yeah. your safe spaces yeah. to be able to talk. I agree with that. I think, um... We were just talking about, it. I don't know if it's a woman thing or not, but I've definitely had moments where I did open up and I needed someone and they were not there for me and either made me feel like I was a burden to them or literally said, like, what you're going through is too much for me mm-hmm. to handle, to be there for you. And I'm thinking, like, you think it's a lot for you? I'm going through it. Mm-hmm. Um, or it was compared to whatever their struggles were. Yeah. Um, which is, like, you know, whatever their journey was. But I think being comfortable with I think the the definition of strength itself is a big thing too right we think strength is, strength is the absence of emotions but strength is not the absence of emotions it's actually um, tapping into your emotions tapping into your traumas and still being resilient you know mm-hmm. and still being able to you know wake up in the morning and face life and I think it's just even rewriting how we define um, success and strength and all these things these are very pivotal like core beliefs we have and they can either make us or break us um, I also think understanding and learning how to hold space for people really and truly like mm-hmm. when I think back to what I wanted for someone to do for me when I was going through it is I just I just wanted them to hold space for me yeah. I just wanted to know like yo B you are not alone you have worth in this world that's mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. you just being present there you don't have to say anything it's just hold that space for me yeah. um, but I agree I so then I went to that mentality of like literally looking at myself in the mirror like yo B you are all you have that is yeah. it you gotta get through this or that or it's game over like yeah. you know and that's a toxic way to go through life you need yeah. people like you, 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 ha- you need people yeah but, I know. also think like um 
figuring out how to support people how yeah. to support people in your life like um for example like i have a friend who was like you know a survival of sexual abuse like i needed to learn how to support her in a way that she needed yeah. um and i think like doing the research is really important yeah. um and i actually bought like i literally bought a book I bought a book and I read part of it and I love yeah and I feel like it's like little things like that that you don't you're not gonna find a lot of those people you're not gonna find a lot of people who are gonna you know ask you how can I support you or that's love yeah or like what can I do for you right now or even just um, you know like doing research like one of my best friends she um, lost her brother when she was in first year university and she was grieving and during that time pff, grieving I didn't know what that meant and she taught me so much about it, you know, and um, and now I try to go out of my way to like do a little bit more educating about about grieving and about mm. what she was going through. Um, but at that time, I also was too young and didn't have the tools to fully like understand, and so she had to teach me. Yeah. But just learning how to support people in your lives, are, I think, is, that's like huge. It's yeah. really really important. I have a question. So where is the limit of, you know, all right. So I'm grieving or I'm going through a problem in my life. Mm-hmm. and I need someone to, like, an outlet. But what if it becomes too much where you rely on that person mm-hmm. so much mm-hmm. that you need them all the time and you I can't th- do it yourself? I think, like, one thing that I do is if I'm going through something and it's really, really heavy, if I'm in a traumatic experience, I'm crying my eyes, I need somebody to talk to you. Mm-hmm. The first thing I do is, I like, text them, like, do you have space for me? Like, do you have the emotional capacity to talk to me right now because mm-hmm. I'm going through something serious? Mm-hmm. And I, I, try, I try to check in because I don't want to put so much on somebody that it triggers them. Um, but you also have to create boundaries with your, the people in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if, for example, my mother is, uh, she's like extremely bipolar and has a lot of issues. And I was like her crutch. And I used to say, I don't have, like, call me in the middle of the night, like, you know, bawling her eyes out. I'm like, I don't have time for this right now. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I can't be your like crutch right now. I need to be okay for myself. Mm-hmm. And she would take offense to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also teaching ourselves, like, you know, not everybody you're not entitled to anybody's space you're not entitled to anybody's time mm. um but almost like creating a reciprocal relationship i think with your friends okay. and the people in your life that's how i see it at least that's true because i feel like there can be people that you know every problem that they go through they just immediately think i i need someone to come with me through this problem mm-hmm. and so they're like all right let me take a step back and deal with it myself mm-hmm. you know and look at myself and see if i can you know get through it but i mean that, that, I feel like that's a fine line when people rely on other people to help them through their problems sometimes because mm-hmm. then it can get to a point where like you're relying on someone all the time. Codependency. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, I, I always say like you can't want someone to be better more than they want. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can't want to help someone more than they want to help themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, I can hold the space for you, but it's like, are you doing the work to get better? Like I'm not doing the work for you. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you can't make someone better. You mm-hmm. can you know, be there for them. Mm-hmm. But to do Giving it for them pointers. is a disservice. Yeah. Yeah. Giving tips and pointers, but yeah, yeah. You, can't, you can't do it all for them. Yeah, yeah I really true, think it true. comes down to that. Like, but I agree, I think boundaries is super important because yeah. that's not serving anybody. It's mm-hmm. not even serving them. If anything, you're just um, holding a space for them to, you know, not wallow, but it's just you're holding them in a stagnant space instead of them wanting to become better mm-hmm. um, because it's it's convenient, honestly. It's a quick fix. It's like literally getting high. It's another coping mechanism, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of touched on this, but mental health doesn't, or the system itself doesn't really cater to us. So what is something that you would want to see or redefine or just, I don't know, make look different in the space for people of color when it comes to mental health or services or anything? Uh, I would like to see 
um, just more like mental health professionals of you know color. of of color, you know. Um, one thing I would like to see also is uh, more in the in the professional um, environment, more accepting of different cultures. So, for instance, like black people, I know a lot of people, you know, young young tw- or early twenties or whatnot, and they're trying to you know, get into this professional environment, but they don't want to compromise their own identity that they've built up over the years. Like, they want to get into real estate, which is, like, something that's run by, like, you know, old white men, but they don't want to, they, they, they don't want to have to switch up on, you know, this identity that they've created for themselves. And that can be a very confusing experience, you know what I'm saying? And it's literally just because whatever field that you're trying to get into, into for the most part, they're not going to be accepting of the way that you want to dress and, like, the way you want to speak and the way you want to live. So you've built up, like, a way you are and... Cause a lot of people like 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 for me, for instance, I dress just like any other any other brother. I talk, I talk, you know, just like any other man. You know what I'm saying? But for the most part, like it's not a it's not a the way I am is not associated with unprofessionalism or anything like mm-hmm. that. Whereas somebody might automatically assume that just by seeing me. You know what I'm saying? So just understanding that, like when you see someone come in rocking some Air Force Ones, they could still be completely professional. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? You don't have to compromise your culture, your identity. Oh. To, to fit in and to, you know what I'm saying because that, that I feel like is something that just drives people insane you know what I'm saying like they're like, like I know like one of my good friends uh, David he was like he was getting into real estate and he was like always talking to my dad about this because like, my dad used to coach him when he was young and he's just like yo Chad like I don't know how to like like I don't want to compromise my myself like I feel like I'm not even gonna like be able to like my friends won't even see me the same and like all this because I gotta like put on this this front in order to be a professional you know what I'm saying yeah you know what I'm saying so like I feel like if the world was more accepting of our culture like like I don't know if you guys see I don't know what uh what what worldwide summit it was but like you're supposed to like show up in a suit right and like there's a man, I can't remember, I think he's from Nigeria or something like that, and he pulled up just rocking, you know, just all African clothing and whatnot, and like the, the news are like, oh, like unprofessional, blah, 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 going off. I'm like, fam, like, yeah, like, because you don't want to rock a, a, a more suit, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a suit, you know what I'm saying? So it's just like, what was he saying? I said, did they see Donald Trump lately? Yeah, yo. Yeah, he's a, yeah, fam. Different podcast, different podcast. Yeah, that's political episode three. Yeah, yo. <laughs> but yeah, yo. I, I think that's I think that's that's big because like that's one huge thing of the system not being set up for us. It's like completely not accepting of our culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, like there's literally a point where I cut my dreads. I had I had dreads before, and I cut my dreads after coming out of school. Cause I'm like, yo, I want to be a professional. You know, I want to be, be looked at in a certain way. And it's like, yo, this is insane. Like, that's why you cut your dreads, bro. Well, par- partially, partially, cut got bored. But like, <laughs> a lot of it, a lot of it was because like when I came home, like talked to like family friends. Like, I remember one time we had like a family gathering and like really sitting and this lady just like like it was like a like a family friend kind of thing and she's just like yeah you know like you're not gonna be able to get a job they're gonna look at you like you're you know just like some some rasta man some 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 hood man blah 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 i'm like bro, i'm like i'm from pickering brother like, <laughs> like what are you talking about you know like but like you're gonna look at me like some boon man because i have dreads I'm like yo do you know who i am and, and when another thing is funny i used to be a barber and like multiple times yo i would, I would like a white man would come like a, like a middle-aged white man you know or suit would come sit in my chair and like after like 10 minutes or 20 minutes they're like you know what man like I completely misread you like I completely thought you were going to be someone else like I you really opened my eyes to the way uh, you know um, uh, urban uh, people um, can be you know what I'm saying I'm just like yeah I'm just like thanks nigga like the fuck (laughs) like bro what are you (laughs) 
what are you talking about like you know what I'm saying it's just like but I, it's just coming from a place of ignorance it's not coming from a place of like they're not even trying to disrespect me or anything like that. So I'm, I'm understanding that so I don't take offense to it but it's just like it's just very interesting that that my my look is automatically associated with unprofessionalism just, and and, and lack of intelligence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm. It's like constantly trying to prove yourself by like being someone that you're That's not tiring. can drive you insane. It's mentally exhausting. Yeah, it you know is. what I'm saying? It is absolutely. To piggyback off of that, even to tattoos now because tattoos are becoming a thing. Yeah. yeah. And a lot a lot of people have. I know a lot of people have tattoos, and I've recently like I got a tattoo on my on my forearm. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people like walk up to me and like not even look at my eyes, but look at this to be like, oh, you're judging me off my own tattoo. You're not even going to ask me what it means. Mm-hmm. You're not going to ask why I got it. You don't even know me yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just even off that is kind of like that's it's crazy mm-hmm. to me in my opinion. Same. I think services just need to educate themselves a lot. I think like that's a really big thing. Like... Uh, language you know like cultural just cultural like uh expressions um like for example um i'm half inuk and uh in ottawa there's a lot of like Inuit specific uh resources um because the way that non-inuit perceive inuit is almost kind of is like less than or uneducated mm-hmm. um i'll give you a perfect example so in the court system uh, there was this man who had gone in and the judge asked him a question and Inuit like to answer questions kind of like do this thing like to kind of like raise their eyebrows and kind of like scrunch their nose to say no and this uh, judge was like you're being disrespectful like you know you're being disrespectful like answer me answer me with like you know verbally and it was just like this per this is this is that you know that's how we communicate and the systems aren't set up culturally to understand um and so it's, I think that's like a, I think that's like a really big thing. Like they need to be rewired and they need to just in- integrate more education. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. Um, I feel like understanding culture, understanding race is a big part in how we need to redefine even how we approach um, and discuss mental health, but also the type of treatment invo- um, involved in mental health. Um, so I have a really good friend, she's my mentor, and she's a psychotherapist. And her approach to how she treats her clients is, she tries to apply a more holistic approach because her belief system is that like Western therapy or how psychology is taught is very much from a man's perspective, a white man's perspective, and therapy is very much taught for um, like a white person, you know, and she tries to incorporate the black experience or at least the experience of minorities um, in her teaching, whether it be, you know, under like understanding racial needs, understanding, um, you know, generational traumas like that might even look different in terms of like what you need to talk about the type of therapy you might need you might even need more like holistic like approaches um maybe medication is not for you maybe that's not even what your body is going to react to because that you come from a whole other place you know what i mean so i feel like that approach and having people who can even look at your body is needing something completely different because what will work for someone might not work for someone else. Mm-hmm. And I think trying to put everyone in this cookie-cutter, like, treatment is really, like, it's going to fail because not everyone's the same. So I think that's really important. Um, and then there was something else I wanted to say about that. I don't remember. 
but it's okay. But yeah, so I think really finding a nice medium between how we identify, like how we as a community can discuss mental health and the intersectionalities of race, social economic status, um, and then also like what is available and what that looks like. So that means people occupying those spaces and higher ups as well. Like you said Air Forces, I said that I'm wearing Air Forces when I walk into my clinic, like, cause that's, that's what I do. Like mm-hmm. I'm not gonna change. Same thing with like, a lot of people will ask me like, oh, your Instagram page is very mental health, but you also post about sneakers. I'm like, because that's me. Wait, yeah, what? Like? It's culture. It's my, about mental health and but she also posts sneakers stuff. Yeah. I know. Just showing her. No, there's nothing. Like, no, there's nothing. I'm saying there's nothing wrong with that. Why wrong. is that? But like, they're like, problem. what? So what do you like? Which one is it? I'm like, why can't it be both? Can't be yeah, that's what I like. You know what I mean? You've actually me. got those questions. Da- I, okay, you don't even want to. Know. People ask me if I curl my hair every morning. So we can start with that. Oh, talking about the the. Uh, the Caucasians? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like the Caucasians! <laughs> Come on, bro. <laughs> Come on, man. That's a new one. I like that one. But there's, um, oh, but the whole hair thing, too. My yeah. sister, she worked at a um, high end retail store and they told her she needed to put her hair up because it wasn't professional. Oh, hell no. Yeah. You know? And like, Mm-mm. she was like, what are you talking about, Becky? Like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, is it unprofessional of them to have fake lips and everything else, too? You know is what I mean? Like, what? Is, like, who is, is making up this rule? I don't know. Really? That? I don't, I don't, I don't <laughs> get that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just asking. That's what I know. do the same thing we do, so you could do it. Why can't we yeah, just be exactly, us, right? Yeah. So, I don't yeah. get that. Trust me, trust me. And trust who is me. making this definition? It's like you're really making it off of your standards. So, mm-hmm. what, like, what about it makes it unprofessional? Like, mm-hmm. why are you sexualizing my hair? Why? Okay, that's a whole other topic. I was gonna go. Sexualizing the 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 black female body, but that's a whole other discussion. But I think it just shows these small microaggressions as well are part of the experience because that is so tiring. Um, Mm -hmm. And to bring it into um, one more thing, I think just the whole idea. I saw this post once, and it was like, black people are the only, and I don't think only, but this said black people are the only people that are suffering of chronic grief and that hit me because it was like yo for generations you're in constant grief you're constantly grieving Mm -hmm. you're never not grieving and when you think you're done it's like no it's just a constant and you're almost like at a numb point and and it's like Mm -hmm. to me that plays another big role in how we should discuss mental health but we're not and then it 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 plays into the whole discussion of like how we should approach it but yeah we're not really talking about it because you know it's just normal yeah you know it's just part of the history yeah all those other talking about systems too like i think hospitals and like mm-hmm. hospitals are such a big uh, such a big problem um obviously you know like the for those of you who do know like the issue with black women in hospitals and i never really understood that really until one time um, my friend of mine she was so sick um and she's like a lot bigger than I am and she was literally like falling over like could not was not cohe- like comprehensive at all um, and they watched me carry her in the hospital and then we got in and I'm freaking out because she's not she's like dozing off like her head is going back and forth her eyes are rolling in the back of her head and um, I'm constantly there like can you guys help like what's going on they're trying to ask her questions what's your address I'm like she can't speak like she can't speak so I'm freaking out um, and then finally uh one of the nurses and the doctor comes up to me and she's like you need to stop being sassy you know sassy is a white person's word for stop being ghetto mm-hmm. like they Jeez. love that you're sassy you're sassy mm-hmm. stop being sassy we're gonna have to kick you out of the hospital 
And that oh, was like, the, yeah, we're gonna, have, you're, we're gonna have to ask you to leave. That's yeah. And that was like, the, I think the first interaction I had, where I realized that like me getting mad is automatically sassy. Me getting mad is automatically ghetto or whatever. And me and my friends, me and like you know my four black friends being upset is is a problem. Whereas if it was three young white women coming in here and they were upset. It was like it just calm down, okay? Like it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. And like maybe apologizing and whatnot for the incompetence. Yeah, like. exactly. And I think like it's like hospitals, the way that they even like approach like mental health with mm-hmm. people of color. Um, yeah. It's it's so like hospitals are, like they can be so messed up. Um, my little sister, she like looks full in look. Like there's no denying it. And there's a lot of there's a lot of stigma um, with Inuit in Ottawa. And one time I had to bring her to the hospital, and the nurse is like, "What kind of drugs is she on? What type of drugs is she on?" Oh. And I was like, <laughs> "Oh wow." What? I was like, "She's not." I was like, "She's not on any drugs. Like she's That's not. Insane, she's dog. not on any drugs. Are you That's lying? Insane. Are you like are you nah, lying what's, to what's me?" What's wrong with her? Yeah, exactly. And at that time, I was really young, so I didn't really have the language or I didn't have the emotional intelligence to know how to deal with that situation. Yeah. Um, but the way that... Yeah, the, the, the hospital system is broken. Like, mm-hmm. it's so Did broken. you even notice that like, they were like, being racist at the time? You, no, like, yeah, I didn't really yeah. understand yeah. until I said the story to somebody and then they're like, you need to file a complaint. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why? And they explained to me. I think it was like 18 or 19 at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just like... Uh, when black women complain about their pain in hospitals and to like you know any type of healthcare professionals, there it's like they're not believed because there's this notion that black women can take more pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and there's lots of like there's lots of cases where black women, for example, lose their babies or they die after childbirth because the healthcare professionals don't listen to them. Yeah. And so um, like right now, for example, like I had this midwife that I was going to, and I I really no game. So I was like, what type of education do you get to give to the other midwives? And what type of education do you have around like um, around like you know intersectionality around black women's experiences in the hospital? She looked at me like I had five heads. She's like, what? She's like, no, we treat all our patients the same. I'm like, that's the problem. Like, you shouldn't be treating all your patients the same. There needs to be some type of education around around those things. And so from then, I was like, I'm not coming here, you know? Like, this is not for me. Um, but I wasn't able to find another healthcare professional that, you know, understood any of those things. The only one I was able... She was like, oh, I'll look into it. I'll look into it. I'll do some research. And that's kind of, like, the bar that, you know, they, that the healthcare system has. And I just have to accept it for what it is. But it's like, why are they not integrating more education yeah you know that intertwines with um the whole concept of police brutality um a lot of the times well actually not all all the times all the time that you make a mental health call um uh, it's actually police you have to call the police so the police will come and get you and we obviously know like culturally historically the relationship between police and um minorities is actually it's horrible it's disgusting so now you're adding, uh, on top of that, another another vulnerability of this person being extremely vulnerable because of their mental health. And now the police is going to abuse that because they don't, one, they don't understand how to deal with people who have mental health issues. And two, they're looking at this person and they're like, well, I already mistreat them when they're good. So, like, I'm going to, you know, I think there was that case. It was around the same time as 
um, Ahmaud Aubrey dying. That mm-hmm. it was a girl from here. She was, um, she was. They called the police because she was going through some mental health issues, and she ended up like getting pushed off Regis. the balcony or something. Yeah, Regis. She ended up getting pushed off um, the balcony, and that's a very common, very very common story I've heard from people that I even know, like women or even men. When it comes to mental health, it's like they automatically think that you're you're doing something wrong to be in that situation. So I'm mm-hmm. going to treat you like a monster versus like then a patient, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, and yeah. that's, re- and even the treatment behind it is like very dehumanizing, very. extremely dehumanizing from like, you know, putting you in a jail cell, you know, literally if you are barely clothed, you're going to stay like barely clothed. Like mm-hmm. it is just disgusting. So I think it's just all these systems are so deeply intertwined that it will take a lot. But the first step to me is like, we really just have to come as a community, like you know, and yeah. have these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we can't. You can't leave it on people outside the community yeah. to make these changes because, like, at, at some point, like there, of course, there are a lot of people who are like extremely conniving or malicious yeah. with their with the way they they strategize. But a lot of people are just simply ignorant, mm-hmm. and you mm-hmm. can't really blame them for the ignorance if they weren't educated. Just like these things we're not educated on, is people mm-hmm. from other communities are, aren't educated on how yeah. to to deal with us. You know, mm-hmm. and at the end of the day, we are a minority, mm-hmm. so. When they, for them, like if they're like, okay, we got to do something for mental health. So let's do a study of our, of our, of of the population, right? They go take like a hundred people, and like, mm-hmm. like ten of them might might be people of color. You know what I'm saying? And like yeah. to them, that makes perfect sense. You yeah. know what I'm saying? But like to us, we're like, okay, well, that's not that's going to give something that's probably more beneficial for the other ninety people because that's a larger sample size, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. for us, we need to take it upon ourselves to like do studies in our own community to find out what really works. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I think like one thing, like I know coming together as communities is really important, but it's like what happens if they don't they don't listen because Quebec is like the best example for that. Um, I don't know if you guys know anything about Quebec or how they operate, but um, so it's a country still. It's yeah, and they they've said before like they're they're. Like they've said before that there's no there's no uh, history of systematic racism here. I'm not sure. Have you guys heard of the um, woman who recently died? Mm-hmm. Um, there's an indigenous woman. She went to the hospital. Um, she told them that she couldn't take morphine because she had a, like a reaction to morphine. They had her in the hospital. She had her phone on, so you could hear everything that the nurse practitioners were saying. They oh, were yeah. saying you're all you're good for is sex. All your people do is have kids. Um, you should just die. And the only reason anybody heard any of this is because her phone was on. Um, and she died. Like, she died. And people have been talking about, like, the Quebec the Quebec system and community, especially indigenous community, they come together all the time, but they literally don't do anything. I've had to deal with that system firsthand, and I can tell you that they are so reluctant to change, so reluctant to doing anything, and they damage people's lives, and they actually kill people. Like, um... My little sister was in, like, a detention center there in Hall, which is right across the um, river from Ottawa. And I remember having to go there, and um, there was, like, really, like, the kids there were, like, have some, like, serious, serious, serious issues. Mm-hmm. And so they were showing kids videos on suicide and, like, or, like, showed, like, a video of a kid who committed suicide or something like that. And I was like, are you guys crazy? Like, I had, I lost my mind. Because they have my little Inuk sister in there. We suffer at rates of, like, suicide higher than anybody else. And you guys are, like, this is what you're doing. You know, and it's like, these are, it's so punitive. And there's no rehabilitation Mm -hmm. there. And they're, that's how they want to have it. And they don't listen to the community. So it's like, what do they do when they don't listen? And what happens when, um, you know, 
people of color can't infiltrate the system. Like, where do we go from there? Because I think that's, like, a huge problem. Um, you know, we're all, people are always fighting the government and always fighting like, systems, like, huge systems of power. But sometimes they don't listen. And so it's how, like, you know... Most times they don't listen. Yeah. I know. I think... And that that's so, like... I don't know. Hearing that almost makes me, like... Not feel defeated, but it's, like... It is such a, like... Defeating thought, which sucks. But I think the... Like, the only reason I said, like, community first is I think the last thing we want to do is feel like we're going through it alone. So, at mm-hmm. the very most, like, we need to come together, For you know, support. and support each other. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the rest, like, what we can control is what we can control. But what you said about the rates, like, I'm looking at stats right now. Um, I think you can tell me if I'm wrong. I've got this off cam H and clearly the other <laughs> little sus. Um, but First Nations youth die by suicide about five to six times more than the non-Aboriginal youth. Suicide rates for Inuit youth are among the highest in the world at 11 times more than national average. Mm-hmm. Like, that is crazy to yeah. me. 11 times? Like, that's, that that's is... Fair. If that's, people, that's like... Uh, we had to read this <laughs> thing. Um, there's this thing, and it was, like, you know, the Inuit in the room. It was, like, an Inuit or, like, uh, organization. And, it's like, if you know more than uh, three people who have committed suicide, stand up. Um... And, or if you know how, like, you know, it was one of those types of exercises. Mm-hmm. I think most Inuit can probably name, like, 10 people on, 10 people at least that they know who have committed suicide. Really? Yeah, like, yeah, easily. That's I know, my, I know more than 10 people. Really? Easily, easily. I don't know a single person. Yeah, too, easily. So that, that's, it's like a big thing. Like, I remember, like, growing up, before I moved to Ajax and I was living up north with my grandmother, like, there were suicides, after, like, week after week. In your little town of 400 yeah, people, like you yeah, said, right? Yeah, with kids, that's, too, that, where they bro. had to call, like, a... Um, state of emergencies. If you look in the news, yeah. sometimes you'll see like you know this reserve has. There's a recent one I saw. Mm-hmm, it has called the state of emergency because four teenagers in the past week have committed suicide. In the past week. Yeah, it's like it's like insane. That's what I'm saying. Like when I had first moved to Ajax, and Bro. that's the first time I realized that that wasn't normal. Um, it was bomb. You, yeah. you literally just saw it as just like a another day at the office. Yeah, that's crazy. Was, I thought it was a normal thing. Um, like my little sister's dad committed suicide. Her both her uncles committed suicide. That's like three people right there. You know what I mean? I have I have like this little graduation cap in my room, and if you look, we all like all signed our names and the inside of it from my kindergarten graduation class. Mm-hmm. I think five, like four of those. It was a small class, maybe ten people. I think four of those kids have committed suicide. Like holy smokes! It's um like people don't know about it, and mm-hmm. they don't address it. It's not being addressed in a way. It's not like I think those types of things. They're not just. It's just not a one pinpoint. Mm-hmm. It's like also like a holistic thing, right? You need services. You need money because poverty brings mental. Like it's, it's like social detriment. Social detriments of health is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And so there's so many different aspects that um, that contribute, you know, mm-hmm. to to that. And it's yeah. It's it's. And imagine, like, you're growing up as a kid and people around you are dying, left, right, and center, committing suicide. Like, where do you find hope in that? Honestly, you probably, probably at some point think that there's something there's something up. Like, yeah. there, there's something, um, there's some merit to what they're doing. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Try to traumatize like, That's the way out. Like, that's a yeah. smart thing to do. Like, yeah, it's traumatizing. Too heavy. That's, that's, yeah. That, that is eye-opening still, yeah. to say the least. It's on the 14-a-week part. That's... that's no, 14's in a week, but... They said 14. 
You said four teens? Fourteen no. in like a couple weeks, yeah. Well, oh, like, they said four teenagers in one week. No, she said one no, like, four. No, like, for the, that's happened before too. Like, if you leave, you'll find, there's an um, Atahuapascat. I don't know if you've ever heard of that reserve. Yeah. Yeah. They had they went to multiple states of emergencies because this uh, rates of suicide were so high. It was like something crazy, like fourteen teenagers or like ten teenagers in like two weeks. Like it's yeah. it's mainly it's mainly younger. It's people. a lot of young people. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of young people. Um, it's a lot of young men mostly. It's mostly that's men. like the highest rate. So uh, what is what do you think is the reason for? It? I think it's like it's deep. There's like a plethora of reasons. I think that um, when you grow up. It all comes down to colonization. Inuit, for example, were colonized very um, recently, recently. Yeah, so right? So some of years. our yes, like there's this elder in Ottawa. Her name is Mika. I go hang out with her all the time because I love her. But Mika was born in a like in a school. hut, and she had and she said that the only source of light that they had was this little tiny thing called a kulik, which is like this little light. That's how she grew up. She didn't grow up with no technology. Mm. The first time she ever watched TV, she um, I think she was in her twenties. And it was like Maple Leafs. Like she watched Maple Leafs play on on television. How, how old is she? Um, Mika is. She, Mika's not that. Old. I think she was in her early seventies. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. So like she could be my grandmother. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So a lot of Inuit, our grandparents weren't exposed to that. So it's such a fast like introduction to like you know the to southern life. And for a lot of people, that's really it's a lot. It's a lot to take in, and it's. Like, you, it's a rapid change, really fast. Mixed in with, you know, loss of culture. Mixed in with, um, like, a lot of residential schools. Mm-hmm. A lot of Inuit went to residential schools. There's a lot of intergenerational trauma there. Um, terrible things, like, terrible, terrible things were done. My grandmother went to residential school. Like, that didn't happen that long ago, you know? Yeah. And so I think there's, like, a plethora of things. Um, and you kind of have to look at everything, like, all together. And yeah. it also depends on the community, but there's so much trauma and like I said before you can almost comp- like here like the best way to describe it is like a hood you know like we see what happens in the hoods and like but that's still in like a city center where you can go you can leave you can drive four hours out when you're isolated like that there's nowhere you can go yeah. and I, a lot of kids lose hope and that's one of the reasons why I had to leave because my my family didn't want me you know to they like they didn't want that for me and it's so sad that people almost feel like my grandmother says to me, like, I'm sad that I feel like you and, like, I had to leave my culture to survive, you know? Yeah, that just gave me an eerie feeling yeah, just thinking about that, you know? It's like, it's like being, being a teenager and feeling like there's just no... There's no home. There's no way out. Like, I'm stuck in this little small town for the rest of my life. Yeah. Right? We're living in poverty, like, yeah. there's lead in the water and stuff. Like, Imagine. you know, like... Imagine. That's messed up. And I, like, it's sad that, like, imagine being able to know more than 10 people on, like, that's crazy. So, yeah, there's a plethora of reasons. And I think, like, it's very it's very comparable to, like, you know, like, the hoods and how people feel like there's no sense of, like, escape. Yeah, or just, Everybody says PTSD. A mm-hmm. town full of people mm-hmm. PTSD. Yeah. yeah. And I even, like, I don't know, but growing up, like, when kids start acting weird, we call them zooped. Oh, this kid's zooped. Like, you know, yeah. he's zooped. Mm-hmm. He's permafrost. It's like, this kid was so depressed, he smoked so mm-hmm. much that he went into drug-induced psychosis. Mm-hmm. And, like, we don't talk about that. That's facts. Mm-hmm. Damn. This is the part that they would have, like, okay, let's take a break, and then, like, they would... Yeah, that's heavy shit. Very heavy. Just hearing that shit mentally just has me feeling yeah. the way it's like, damn, like, Absolutely. this is under my nose the whole time, and I didn't know about any of this shit. Mm-hmm. I'm here being privileged, like, you know, and we taking com- shit for granted and whatnot. Yeah, we be complaining yeah, about the little you know? things. 
mm-hmm. that's crazy man a lot of people don't know about it and like i feel like that's part of the reasons reason that like i like i like the work that i do and but there's so much resources, resources out there that people don't know about mm-hmm. yeah you know? you're right so much and like that's part of what we can you know facts well, we yeah. so hopefully everyone listening to this that's why we here um yeah so i guess the last thing we can add is a little hope a little resource um i i guess i want to give you guys a stage on where this so we kind of talked about race intersectionality with mental health um i know we did um but we're trying to find ways to fill in those gaps. And you guys reached out to me and reached out to Jalen um, to have these conversations and to, you know, start somewhere, you know. And I just want to know kind of where that started. And we can go from there about talking about the campaign and stuff. But I'm excited. But let's just start with um, how did you guys come to this idea of starting a mental health campaign? that looked at it, uh, mental health from a racial perspective? Um, so, like we've talked about, we've all dealt with mental health, obviously. Yeah. We all deal with it on a daily basis. But uh, Tristan actually brought the idea to me. You did bring the idea so to me. So, for me personally, like <clears throat> like I said before, 2020 is a year. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I was going through it a little bit during quarantine. And, you know, I had to kind of catch myself to get better. Because I was like, okay, like, yo... Mm-hmm gotta make some moves right now right you know and i'm just like having conversations with friends and stuff and everyone's just kind of brushing it off you know talking with my family everyone's just kind of brushing it off so i'm like you know now we have a little platform slow grind i'm like this is something that a lot of people struggle with so why not create something to help other people with these type of situations so spoke to kadeem and cam about it and we kind of built on the idea i'm like you know we're just three Three men. We need a woman's perspective because I cannot tell you what women go through, especially mm-hmm. a black woman. Like I feel like you guys are very underappreciated in the world right now, and mentally, it's a completely different spectrum from mm-hmm. how black men deal with it. You know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, we need to try to create something, and here we are right now. So I love it. Um, so the campaign is called. Are we saying the name yet? Yeah, almost yeah, it's called well. at this point, y'all. They've probably seen what the campaign is called, but it's called Yes, I'm Blessed. Um, does anyone want to explain the name? I can explain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that in our culture, um, living in the GTA, you know, when you ask somebody how they're doing, the first thing somebody says is I'm blessed, you know, it's just like a very passive statement. Mm-hmm. It's not an intentional statement. You just kind of say I'm blessed. Yeah, I'm blessed. Like, mm-hmm. yo, how are you doing? How you been? I'm blessed, you know. And I feel like that's the first thing that we say. And we don't actually, when we ask somebody how they're doing, we don't actually think about, you know, like, I'm going to give them my actual response. And I feel like that's a, that's like, you know, a, a big coping mechanism that we use. We kind of mm-hmm. just passively don't talk about our feelings. Mm-hmm. And so I think one of the reasons that I brought, like, yeah, I'm blessed, yes, I'm blessed, whatever you want to call it, um, as the name for this was because it just speaks to the hypocrisy of, you know, how we deal with one another and mm-hmm. how we, even like the very basic fundamental understanding of how you're doing. We don't really talk about that. So I thought that, you know, like, kind of like the double entendre of, yeah, yes, I'm blessed, like, how that um, comes off would be perfect for this mm-hmm. campaign, because a lot of us really aren't. We aren't blessed, and we don't talk about it, so mm-hmm. this gives us a platform to be able to talk about that in, like, a safe space mm-hmm. um, with people who want to listen and want to help. 
That's so real. I saw, I, I don't know, I think it was a comedian or something. I don't remember I saw this, but it's like, you almost ask without even caring about the answer. Like, yo, how you doing? Like, do a little video. Yo, a how you doing? You blessed? And before the guy can even answer and be like, yeah, you know, he's like, all right, bet. I'm blessed. He's out. Just <laughs> like, like, funny, funny enough, my, my brother is the one person that kind of like, snapped me out of that because yeah. like if my, my brother be going through something you know like I remember one time like he was going through some crazy shit and like uh, he was coming in the, the neighbors neighbors you know was casually hey how you doing he's like I'm doing horrible actually <laughs> and he gave him like a 20 minute spiel on like how shit his day was going the neighbors just like jaw dropped yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like people, people in there, right? They say, "Cat, you can catch him off guard." Man. Yeah, no, people are never ready for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like what if a man, what if a man says no? What are you gonna say next? You know what I'm saying? It's like almost become a social, just like passe thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. like, oh, how are you doing? I'm good. You know me. What is it? Like, what is me actually comes? My day has been shit. Like. Like, what do you say then? Like, or do we actually care yeah. how you are? Do we actually yeah, care? Yeah, that's what it comes yeah. down to. Yeah, I'll probably just ask you again. You're like, hey, you're blessed with now, fam. I'm having like a like a horrible day. Yeah. Like, man, like, jeez, oh, you're you're blessed though. Yeah. All right, all right, fam. Yeah, I'm blessed. Jeez, <laughs> 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 it, it happens. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Hit yeah. you with that, like, jeez. I know. I stay off, fam. I know the ones. I know the ones. I know the ones. I know the ones. Or, or like, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed. Don't worry. Don't worry, fam. I'm not, but okay. Like, yeah, that's what we're doing. That's crazy. It's honestly okay to not be okay sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You're never gonna be all like 100 percent all the time. It's not possible, bro. It's not possible at all. You can't. You can't be great if you haven't fallen a couple times. Yeah. To be honest, like, it's that's not. Right. Right. There you have it. Yes, I'm blessed. Campaign. I'm blessed. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know when we're going to put this out, but it'll be sometime in November. So, for the month of November, we're going to have a month-long campaign that looks at different lenses, perspective, resources, avenues, voices, um, and more on uh, race and mental health. Um, honestly, I'm super hyped. I'm excited. Super I think excited. that this will... Like, I know it's the month of November, but I really feel like this just starts, like, this, like, um, butterfly effect. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Even just, like, you hitting me up. Look, where we are, you know? Yeah. We're in this room, all of us together. So it's, like, it create these small steps take. <laughs> they become bigger, um, you know? And it's just about that journey. So I'm really excited. And before we wrap up, um, do you guys want to do the icebreaker Actually, let's do the icebreaker instead of the small joy for the end. Mm-hmm. All right, what's, what's the icebreaker again? we didn't again? do it. I think the icebreaker was, if you could manifest one thing in the next year, because a lot can happen in a year, clearly, what is that one thing? Slow grind hub. I'm going to leave it at that. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Um, me personally, um, just being better than I am currently right now Mm -hmm. so like i know i said it's 2020 has been a year but being in a different mental space being able to help myself and others around me Mm -hmm. so i feel like i'd want that gross whether it be material or not material yeah Mm -hmm. um me personally i just uh i would like to continue on the same journey i've been on and that's the journey of um just uh 
only focusing on the things in my life that I have control over. And mm-hmm. I was telling you guys a bit about this. It's just like the only thing you truly have control over in your life is how you react to things, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So it's, I don't really care about, you know, what more I could have or what less I'll have or who's in my life anymore, who is it, isn't, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you're, you're in control of your own your own happiness and you're in control of your own domain, you know what I'm saying? So I just, uh, it's easier said than done. And I just hope to to be even further along on that journey, you know, mm-hmm. a year from now. Yeah. Um, I think what I'm manifesting for next year is just be a good mother. Like, Jeez. I feel like, you know, yeah, bringing a human to this world is a really big responsibility. And That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not. Not at all. I'm not I'm not scared at all, honestly. Um, I'm fortunate enough, you know, where I set myself up where I'm gonna be okay and like I'm gonna be really good and I think that all the lessons I've learned and everything that I'm learning and the people who I surround myself, I need to be a lot more intentional. So I think that like being a good mom isn't just caring for your child, giving them the basic needs. It's so much more than that. And so, um, I think right now that's what I'm trying to manifest. Uh and then I also want to buy a house next September. That's my goal. Jesus, she got my answer now. You guys, went, I'm gonna have to change my answer. You guys, remember the name? <laughs> Your answer is best. You just don't want to get into it. I mean, that's pretty. That's a good answer. Yeah, I mean, answer. like y'all went all personal and everything. I mean, I might have to. Well, then you have. You to, can change it. We have to do good. I'm about to change the whole Do you, boo? Don't worry, don't, don't worry. Don't do that. Don't do that. Your answer is blessed, fam. Don't do that, bro. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Your answer is blessed, fam. I'm blessed. I'm blessed, guys. Nah, but seriously, on a, pers- on a personal note, though, I think for myself, um, since I'm a very sociable person, I think it's better for me to grow like by myself and figure out who I am more. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's always been something difficult for myself to be alone and by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think over the past couple of months I've been able to do that mm-hmm. so I think if I continue to grow like that and really you know digging deeper into all right, who is Kadeem mm-hmm. honestly I think mm-hmm. a year from now at this point I'm going to know exactly who that person is or have a better mm-hmm. idea of that so you know because you can't really help others if you don't really know yourself yeah. that well you know mm-hmm. so I mean the more I can do that the more I can help others the more I can change the world honestly exactly um Mine is, my mind's like, I want this, I want this, I want this. (laughs) You can add two of those. Um, No, honestly, I think um, the last, 2020 wasn't bad for me, but I definitely put in the work. 2019 was different. Um, But I want to say, like, my 20s, once I hit this year, I kind of felt a shift. And I hope that whatever work I've been putting in up to this point I start seeing the fruits of my labor in the second half of my 20s and that is in every sense whether it's my health my education my you know Mm -hmm. um, finances um, all that so I really and truly hope that that is what starts to come to fruition Um, and also because I've kind of done what you just said like I'm good on my by myself like I'm actually great by myself I want to start being able to let people in now Mm -hmm. you know allowing that and allowing myself to have like close friendships and you know have a tribe like I think that now I'm Mm -hmm. finally good so I'm able to identify Mm -hmm. what I want like so Mm -hmm. I hope I can bring that into manifestation um Yes. Thanks, guys, for being on this. I Any really time. appreciate Thanks it. Thanks for having us. We've got to do this again. Definitely do. We'll be back. We'll be back. Uh, <laughs> we'll definitely be back. <laughs> I'll add you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll add you. Yeah. 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 Y
Agile uh, ads in the description, um, and you can find more information on the podcast at Call Me Crazy Pod. For the campaign, it's at Slow Grind WDT. Um, we'll, we'll see you guys next week. Bye.